Welcome everyone, I'm going to talk about something that half of you probably has no idea what, uh, who that person is and half of you know very well. Netflix documentary called, I think this is called Robbie Williams and it's just like I am Robbie Williams. So I hope you've seen it, if not you're in for a treat, if you've seen it I'm gonna uncover some of the things that were, were not covered in the documentary and maybe they were left out so i'm gonna give you a little bit of context on that why me because uh, i am not the biggest fan i'm surely not the biggest fan however um i have a couple of things i mean i have literally all the albums this is signed by the way and i may give this away this is also signed um like for real for real um i may give this away for a lucky person who comments okay we'll see how that goes um, i have been to so many concerts um, that i do not recall how many definitely seven eight maybe ten plus um including like take that and all that i'm only 32 so i am definitely outside of the usual audience but um i have been a fan since probably i was like or something like that which is twisted when you think about it because um, his songs were kind of sexual and and all that which I did not get at the time there is so this not documentary I want to talk about so by the way for the US people don't go away from this video so you don't know who this person is we understand that fine but still you can watch it because basically it's just a story about some guy who got famous and could not handle it and it's not like it's very kind of like raw and authentic so it's a good watch for anybody to be honest all including the US audience as well um, so definitely um, you know it's kind of like um, fame mental health um, uh, incredible story of somebody who built a career based on one song and then obviously whatever followed after but the 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 song that gave him the career and I'm not saying that like he said this hundred times was angels and without that song none of this would happen so um, okay let's start um, by saying that I have watched this I am happy with it but um, there's something about this which, you know, it's also like I would do differently, <laughs> like somebody cares. But anyway, you know what I mean? So we're going to go and have a look. Um, I'm going to start with like part one. So basically, I want to recall a couple of things. First of all, I do like the style of how this was actually recorded, like in his bedroom, in his bed, um, in his house, um, the camera. It's just like very kind of personal so I like that I wonder how much it costs you know because this is not like a I would say it did not cost cost a lot and um, it's very obvious and it's not a bad thing I'm just like I'm happy that this actually happened so it's not a uh, criticism I'm just saying that this is not like a huge Hollywood production it's very kind of like um, footage from the archives which could be more of it i will get there okay um so i have been to some of the shows actually mentioned and showed in the in the documentary 
and some of them I obviously remember um, like in the cinema and so on. So basically the part so part one is all about take that pretty much. So it's like going back watching the archives. It's it's I mean I literally have been born in 1991 so I cannot say like oh yeah I remember that time. It's just interesting to go back before I was even born or actually when I was born and see all of that um, happening. So um, I also like the fact that he is actually watching this right on his laptop um, and I like the lens. I, I wonder what kind of lens. It seems like 85 and 300 millimeter lens. Anyway, um, if you know the lens used comment below in the in the comment section. Um, so Okay, so this is basically kind of like intro, we have take that, um, and then obviously um, he left take that. So I like how it progressed, you know, very quickly. And okay, so I'm just gonna skip the like take that part, but for now, he made Sky Chambers, he's producer. And I love that story of guy was, um, you know, didn't have money, um, his roof was leaked, that was like a story that I've heard many times, but it was kind of like interesting in general, like, you know, two guys who have literally nothing nothing left to lose um, and everything to gain, they were both desperate, so it's interesting how this played out, like how they met, um, all, you know, and uh, so basically they recorded the first album, and this is where it gets really, like, I, I love that part. Love that part so much. So, the first of all, like, the footage that I've never seen, and I feel like I've seen everything. The footage I haven't seen in the studio recording the first album um, and, like, preparing this this whole um, launch of, like, the first single, like, was All Before I Die. Love that song, to be honest. Everything around that. And it's just, like, they did not show how they wrote or recorded Angels. And I wonder if this was on purpose or they just don't have the footage. Because the footage is very limited, I would assume, from what I can see here. Probably because they did not want to spend too much money on it from the record, record label. Because they thought this is not going to be successful, <laughs> but let's give it a try. Um, so I feel like there could be more footage of that, but probably, I guess, not. Um, and... The whole launch, you know, um, and obviously Robbie getting sober, so going to rehab. The whole documentary seemed like he stopped the drinking at that moment forever. That he obviously was doing drugs and all that. But um, is this like for real? Like he actually stopped drinking when he was like, what was he like 24, 25 or something? Um, I don't know, it kind of seemed like that. So he went to rehab, he came back, and he seemed kind of fresh, you know. Um, he was happy that um, he was like two months sober and everything. Album launch, and then a couple of shows, everything good. He was touring, small shows, obviously. And then his album... He sold like 33,000 copies or something like that. I remember in one time he mentioned it on the show as well. So he sold like 32 or 33,000 copies on the launch. 
And obviously at that time it was not good at all. So the record label, I think he released like three or four singles. Angels was either fourth or fifth, I believe. Oh God. Let me know in the comments because I don't really remember. Um, I have all the CDs but not with me here in London. So it's kind of tricky for me. Um, I wonder... Okay, anyway, it was all before I die. Lazy Days was another one and something else, I think. And then we went for Angels. Uh, they they went for Angels. So, yeah. So basically, record label was about to drop him because he didn't sell enough and it was like already uh, singles released and it didn't seem to, you know, work. And then the last single that was released was pretty much um, Angels. And it just exploded. Like, that song connected, that song, um, everybody was loving it. And if you think about it, because this is what I want to say here, that song is, I don't know if you've ever heard the album, because everybody knows, like, Angels, Angels, but the whole album is so different than this one song. So I just wonder, like, what was the recording process? You have all these other songs that are basically incredibly different when it comes to sound and the feel as well. So it just seemed like all the other songs that he was drunk, he was like um, basically high or like it, it was just like he was like kind of like lazy rock star. And then Angels, it seemed so polished, so proper, so kind of like out of this, like so different. So I wonder like why they put it on the album um, and obviously because it's a good song, but like what was, I don't know, it was so strange. And why they did not release it as like the first single, for example, or the single before the album, album launch. So... I'm not sure they thought it's a good song or maybe they thought it doesn't fit with his, you know, kind of like personality. So they did not expect people to like um, take it like, oh, yeah, 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 we receive it. We acknowledge that. So obviously they released it and the album <laughs> that sold 32 or 33,000 copies um, in like a, after launch um, now sold 900,000 um, and it actually continued to grow, not to mention like across Europe and all that. So that was basically like all of a sudden, yeah, spin, you know. And um, what happened after? So I'm just gonna go, yeah. They were recording the second album. We're not in the, oh yeah, yeah, because it, U.S. part is there. U.S.A. is present as well. So the second album, um, they were recording in, was it Jamaica? It was in, uh, in Jamaica and it just looked incredible. Like as an artist, you go back to the studio, but you need pretty much like quiet nature. And this is what like Queen did as well at the night at the opera right they went into like like just fields no distractions just kind of like nature basically and then all you do is just record so this is what they've done they they went to jamaica and beautiful nature and then 
pretty much. Let me just go back in here. Um, that was 1998, writing of the second album. I like how his his oldest daughter um, interrupts him when he's filming, like the documentary in his bed. She always like comes in and she's be like, "Can I watch a little bit?" Um, and he's like, "Yeah." And then he sends her away because obviously there are certain parts that should not be seen by a. I don't know how old is she. How old is she? Comment below. Eight, something like that. Um, I remember when she was born and obviously throughout the whole documentary you can see the special connection which happens with your firstborn um, and obviously with the love that you give um, to your kids. Um, she was cute. Uh, she comes back one time with like sweets and she's like, uh, can I have this? Blah, blah, blah. It was adorable. Um, yeah, and obviously at the end when she cries, it's just like, it breaks my heart. Um yeah, like, she doesn't understand, obviously, how lucky she is that she can be with her dad, like, most of the time of the year. And he doesn't have to go to work every day. But sometimes he has to go away for three months and so on. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like this innocence of of the child um, in this, in this, like, you know, everybody's human being. So, including Robbie, that, you know, um, it gets really interesting after. So, basically... When he was dating Nicole Appleton, ooh, you know, very nice name, by the way, Nick. Um, yeah, this was a nice love story. And also no mention of she got pregnant and I think she had abortion. No mention of that. I wonder, so this was not mentioned, but also like his drugs um, and like womanizing was ignored a lot and I'm not saying you have to put that like in but it was a huge part of like his image to sleep with like 2,000 women or something like that um, at least and I think he decided to ignore that or just say like don't put that in the documentary because obviously in the future my kids will see it and he's got one girl, maybe two, I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't know all the kids, but the firstborn is um, is a girl, and maybe he did not want to show this um, side of him to her, which is understandable, I'm just saying, you know, kind of like it was a huge part of the whole thing. After angels and like the second album as well after the recording we can start seeing his um kind of like anxiety when it comes to performing in front of a lot of people and you would think actually this surprised me because um obviously like i've been following him for a while and i was just like you know like he's a born entertainer he doesn't have he doesn't seem to have a problem to perform, to entertain. I cannot imagine him like having this anxiety, like, I don't want to go on stage. I don't want to do this. Um, and it, it starts happening with big crowds when you have big responsibility. And if you're in a band, like you can put that responsibility across other people. But now you can't because it's just you. So everything just is on you. Um, so... He kind of did not, he said like it was just 
sometimes well, at some point at the, in the documentary he says like at some point it was like it's just too big for me like some of the venues and like i could not it's just too big just like the us uh, fail which i'm gonna get to very uh, very soon here we're gonna start seeing the pattern of the british press giving him a lot of bad press and basically the more it's very very pretty much similar or the same with queen because queen when they started having success commercial success across the world they were absolutely worshipped and in the uk they had the worst reviews they had the worst press ever and i don't know what this is about the british press that they hate their own like i don't understand how like why why would you do that so i can see it here as well so he goes travels everywhere and then when he sees something from the british press like it's just negative right and it has to be very difficult um to kind of process that so you go to do a show and you have let's say like at this point maybe he had like seven or ten thousand people max and uh, for his show and everybody's like enjoying themselves and then he goes and like reads uk newspaper and they say like oh his voice is like his voice is nothing special it sucks um we don't understand why people like it the his latest single is horrible um like yeah it, it it's kind of weird and this actually um kind of gr- graduates okay into a very bad place pretty much um okay so what i want to talk about now is the progress of the album and let me just <laughs> what happened was the record label so you know you have success in the uk you have you have success in europe and they send you to the us it's a huge market and i did actually not know that i know i knew he he did some american promotion in the us with the escapology i believe but i didn't know they sent him to the north american tour after the, like on the launch of the second album i don't even know if he charted in the charts to be honest so they sent him to do like a press um they sent him to do shows and i love that footage i'm so happy that they have the footage i mean obviously i would say but like it was so like nobody knew him and everybody was just like who's this guy you know like is he a musician why you don't have a guitar like that sort of thing like um and he goes and everybody like talks about like take that and he's like yeah i used to be there and i'm not anymore like it's been a while and they don't get it like he jokes but they don't get it so they don't understand his humor they don't understand what he's all about and if you've ever done any kind of like presentation whether this is at work or anywhere you know that when you're trying to win the crowd over so like you come on stage and people don't know you right and you try to like either do like the joke icebreaker you know if nobody laughs 
you don't feel good, okay? It's basically like, it's not a good feeling in general. So I would say it's really hard for someone to to just be like okay with it on a on a obviously on a on a much bigger scale so i would say definitely a confidence killer in general um so this tour did not help at all and basically it was like uk success huge you know europe you sell out shows and everything and then like nobody gives a damn about you so your confidence is shaken a lot because you feel like the king and then you feel like like nobody. So I don't think it was a good move from the record label, but like you have to try. So that was a, it was good at, in a way because you're down to earth at some point, you know, so it's good. But at the same time, you're away for a couple of months, you're doing this and it doesn't work. You sh- The shows are incredibly small. Nobody knows who you are. You have to kind of kiss their ass um, like, you know, oh, tell your friends and their friends to come on the show. And just, it's just like, it's not a good place. And it obviously doesn't work. So then you go back to UK or Europe and your confidence is gone, basically. You know, because you feel like, okay, they don't get me. They they get me. They don't. I don't know what to do. Um, like, am I really good or not? Um, and then we had an episode with, I mean, episode, like episode in the episode with Jerry Hallival from Spires Girls. And it was, um, I remember this, like not when it was happening, but more or less like reading it in the magazines and, and so on. And what happened was pretty much um, he, they were like on vacation together and having a good time and everything. And when he was looking at the footage, like they asked him, like, you seem really happy. Like, were you happy at that point? And he was like, oh yeah, like hundred percent. But he's a spoiler here. He's a spoiler. They asked him like, okay, so what happened? Like why you didn't um, continue this relationship? And he said, well, everywhere we went, they were paparazzis and I never understood how come they know where we're going because when we get there they are they are already there and he said one day a paparazzi like I knew him so I, I started talking to him and I asked him how come you know you're always there you know where we're going and he told him that it was Jerry doing that and he said that at that point he was being so paranoid and did not find any other explanation that he believed that but as he was saying it like I don't believe this like one bit right now like you know with the years after but I believe that at that point um, in the in the past. So I think he broke it off and not in a good way. And then we kind of moved on and, you know, the UK press continues to excel at um, trashing him uh, big time. And he's alone um, again. Okay, 
when it comes to part three, that was, um, this is something that I start to remember very well. Um, that was like two, okay, so first it was that word, like, obviously, it, I think in total it was like 340,000 people each night or something like that. So I think it was like, mil- was it, was it million? Okay, let me know in the comments. Um, so, Nebworth, I remember I bought the CD with this. I was listening to it. I think that was my first CD from him. And, all right, what happened then? He recorded Escapology, which was kind of fast forward. Like, I actually wanted to see the recording of that album because it was my introduction album to him. I did not see that. Like, they totally skipped that. Um, I mean, obviously, like, there was feel as well. So I don't know why they did not show how this was done. I guess they wanted, they were limited on the budget with four parts. I don't know, but it was fast forward. And basically, he, um, they just showed he had some disagreements with Guy Chambers in the studio. And um, he was, he fired him because obviously... You cannot have that. I, I think they were both annoyed by each other. And pretty much it was like Guy Chambers' fault um, that, you know, he does all the work and Robbie gets all the fame and money. And obviously Guy Chambers got rich as well, but, you know. And Robbie had a, like had the view of, I... I do the writing as well, but I nobody credits me for it. And everybody thinks you are doing everything. And um, from one clip, like from the studio, it just seemed like Guy Chambers, like he was basically like criticizing him a lot and Robbie didn't like it, right? So he was like, yeah, can you sing it a different way? Mm, I don't like it. They had a big argument about Kamandan. So come on then, Robbie came up with this song, presented it to Guy, and Robbie knew, like, this is a good song. Like, he was, like, 100% sure, like, this is a great song, this is a hit. And Guy was like, mm, I don't like it. And they had a big argument about this, and obviously, all as we all know, come on then was a huge hit and a success. Um, and Guy tried to kind of, like, change it a lot, and Robbie felt like he's trying to ruin it. So after his apology, they decided to, I mean, Robbie decided to part ways. Uh, he fired him, in other words. Um, and he wanted to, I think he wanted to prove to himself and everybody else that he can write by his, like, on his own. Obviously, he hired Stephen Duffy um, to help him. But he was like, I can make hits also without Guy Chambers. That was kind of the idea of it. So he fired him and he planned this incredible tour which was Close Encounters. I remember this actually very well because I went to the show, not this one, but I went to the show for Berlin which was prior to this. This was when his new album with Stephen Duffy, Intensive Care, came out and this show was very special. That was the Berlin one, that was the launch of the album. I want the competition to be there. So I remember this incredibly. And that was like a new hype, new Robbie, you know. So 
the album came out, I actually really liked it. I think it was great. It was very, very different. Um, and um, he planned this huge tour, Close Encounters. And I'm talking like incredibly huge. And I think he sold like 1.5 million tickets in two hours worldwide. And it was happening on the biggest stadiums in the world um, for on like all the continents, probably except from uh, US, Canada. I don't know what continent is that. America. <laughs> no. But like these different kind of America had the tour. Anyway, and this is where it all went wrong on, on this tour because it was too much for him. So basically, um, he started like, they did not show much that he was doing like drugs and stuff like that, but he was like prescription drugs, which is basically like even worse, probably. So they did this, uh, it was a lot of pressure on him and this is where it got really crazy when you see the footage of him being incredibly anxious to go on stage because it was just too big and that tour was never ending it actually didn't finish like from my memory comment below if you if I'm wrong but from my memory he cancelled the last part of the tour a couple of shows at the end I think and he went to straight to rehab or something um, or hospital, I don't know. He did a lot portion of that tour, but definitely he cancelled some of the shows at the end and um, for like health reasons and so on. And he broadcasted Leeds show, and I remember watching that. And he did not look well. Like, and obviously, when we see behind the scenes right now with the documentary, it's very much obvious that he was not well. Um, and it was basically like he was he was on steroids uh, and other cocktail. But um, yeah, the Leeds concert just looks weird um, and sounds not his best either. So it was just basically he was forced to do it. He didn't want to do it. Um, he was terrified. It was streaming live. Uh, millions of people would watch it. And he couldn't cancel. You cannot just go like, I'm not doing it. Like, you cannot just go and say that. Um, you know, if you feel sick and you say, oh, I don't go to work tomorrow. Like, that's fine. But when you have this huge show, you cannot just be like, I'm not doing it. That's it. Like, that's not how it works. And I, I don't think we as normal people can imagine how it is to be to go through this you know and just have a tour to have a show like every day every second day every every third day and sometimes you don't want to do it and maybe most of the time you don't want to do it because you have to so you know there is a difference between like you're enjoying it and then you're just doing it because you have to do it because you want to have career and you he has no qualifications like, he didn't finish high school. He he has zero qualifications. So what else is going to do? <laughs> like, nothing. So, and then the best part. <laughs> I mean, probably not the best part. It's just like, he, um, after intensive care, was it? Rootbox came out. The album, which was incredibly different than everything else. And he did it with, like, his friends from Stoke-on-Trent, like, two guys. And obviously, it was a big deal for them. 
because like oh my god working with robbie williams um and i think it was just a yes man experience in the studio so everything they came up with was just like most probably like oh yeah, yeah we love it like because they did this is where the problem comes in you need i know this is hard but you need someone in the studio that says this is rubbish okay um just like freddie mercury did his solo album it did not do well and i'm not saying it's bad it's just not great why because he didn't have brian may to argue with him and say this is rubbish we need to change that this is not good so i think this is what happened and it's it's one of those one of those situations where you should not have yes men in the creative industry when you're trying to create something so there has to be challenges like people need to challenge you having said that am i saying this album is bad well i'm not going to say that because like it broke it breaks my heart when there is a section of the documentary that is you know robbie is saying like i actually love this album this album is me this song rootbox is me and i stand by it and i love it and artist is there to create art on what the artist feels so whatever you want to do and obviously his whole career is just himself his experiences and so on and he was always doing that so why why should he stop you know i'm just saying that maybe if he had a person that challenges that choices of the songs or or music in general on that album it would turn out different um however i listened to this album and i like the authenticity of it and obviously it, it is very him it is very him so i think all the fans kind of liked it um and obviously press had the perfect opportunity to say finally this is horrible and you know i'm not saying it was but it wasn't amazing probably it was different let's say so the press had incredible opportunities to put this down and influence the sales as well so this album did not sell i'm not even sure how many copies but it was really bad and it was very so robbie said that it shook his kind of like artistic process because every time he was doing something um when it comes to recording it was all about intuition like you know i'm going there because i i have this intuition like i should i should have i i should write this song in this way in this way and he just continued doing that and now it didn't work at all right and it was not accepted very much um among his i mean fans liked it but i think they only liked it because he liked it so but it's okay like you create something that is just you know as long as you like it that's the whole point of art and yeah you're just going to see whether it's accepted or not so yeah that was perfect opportunity for the press to say like oh my god this sucks so he got into the worst place in his head because this was happening as like at the same time as the tour 
So he drops this Rootbox song first during the tour and seeing the press and reviews is just making it much worse. Um, so it has to, again, shake your confidence and just be like, you know, I created this album. I need to promote this album. I need to promote this song. So I need to play it on the show. But in your head, you just see those reviews like, this is horrible. This is blah, blah, blah. And like, this song is horrible. I did not do good job. I'm useless without Guy Chambers and so on and so on. Which is none of it. It's true. It's just what you have in your thoughts. So he went into this like self-destructive mode and he starts being very uncomfortable watching this back. Um, and obviously like all the um, just things getting him through the shows um, and, you know, what he has to do. Um, and then how this actually ends, this is part three, is, um, yeah, is the tour... And like just the magnitude of it. And then we have the closing part, which I just kind of realized like how they can put all the all the things that happened in one episode, because this is the end. So again, I think there's a certain budget for episodes, like four episodes, which a lot of shows recently started doing. So any, anything about four obviously costs maybe considerably more. I don't know. Maybe this format works. Usually uneven numbers work but okay so cut the circuit is the name of the last episode and basically it talks about how he met his wife and what kind of place he was in when he met her which was a complete pretty much like addiction and self-destruction so he actually had to break up with her to go to rehab at some point and was just like, I need to sort myself out first. And then he stopped doing music, obviously, because he felt like, um, you know, like a loser or he felt very low self-esteem. And this is a thing, like, it's just so funny to think about that. You do incredibly huge tour where you sell tickets which are very expensive and you sell them like this and people come and people enjoy themselves and people love it but then you open the newspaper and all you see is how not talented you are how um, horrible person you are how you're were not nice to like i don't know fans or staff or whatever and how your music sucks how your album sales does just go to 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 the bottom and it has to be really crazy to think about, like, which side you're going to allow to get you. And usually it's the bad side that we let and allow to go through, right? So, like, if somebody says, like, oh, you're, you're an amazing person and blah, 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 you did a great job. And then, one per like, ten people say it and then one person comes in and says... Um, I don't think you're any good. Like, I didn't enjoy it. It was terrible. Um, and, and you kind of feel that you gravitate more towards the other side, like the negative part. I don't know why we do that, but I can imagine that this, you know, especially with Rootbox album, just pretty much like shook everything he, he, he fought. Um, 
was defining him. Because Guy Chambers was gone, and all of a sudden he couldn't have a hit, really. And can you imagine, like, questioning, like, okay, so is my success just basically thanks to Guy Chambers? And without him, I'm, like, totally useless. Which is not true, it's just looked like that, you know, to him. So he just went into complete distraction and then he met his wife and he stopped making albums and music for like three years. And that panic attack he developed before this Leeds show that like was live streamed and everything, it did not stop for a very long time. So he refused to like perform, you know, go on tour, release music and so on. So she kind of helped him to to get over that and just take it slow. And one of the steps to go to come back was um, he was yeah he was recording a new album, and he did not do the tour for that, but he joined Take That. So number one, I think they should have invested a bit more time into this episode for the Take That reunion, because they put... I mean, it's not about Take That. It's not. It's just, you know, when you leave and throughout the documentary, he talks about them in a very bad way and, like, he hates Gary Barlow. And in episode four, it's like, oh, yeah, I decided to join them again. And then it's like, he's with them and they talk. And it's just like... Like, I would expect at least a little bit of the footage of, like, when they met for the first time or something that would clear out, like, the idea of, like, what happened. And I know they have a documentary on that, to be honest. I have not... Have I watched... I think I watched it. Um, How is it called? Like, don't look back. Let me know in the comments. Look back, but don't stare. Oh, something like that. Um, yeah, so probably that's why they skipped it. But for the person who doesn't have the context, they don't know. And then he did the tour, the progress tour. Uh, He was watching Circus tour of Take That. I was actually there. Then he joined them, did the progress tour. I was, um, I was there as well. That was a good one. And I could not understand why he's doing it at the time. So I was like, why the person, the guy who can sell out 1.5 million tickets in two hours himself joins a band that they don't have such success. And he sings with them and he's kind of like, you know, on the side. He had like a 15 minute, maybe like three, four songs of the solo section, but everything was like together with them. And I did did not understand this. Like, why is he doing it? Like, I want to go to his concert only, not take that. Even though it was great. And yeah, the documentary explained it. And he said, I did, I could not just go back on my own and just do the, do the tour. It, you know, he hasn't performed in three years. He lost the confidence on stage and so on. So Take That helped him to regain that and take its, uh, you know, small steps. So it makes perfect sense after I watched the documentary. And then I remember it was Bodies, the single. 
where we could see his girlfriend for the first time, I assume, in the in the music video. Yeah. And uh, it was a very different song. I liked it. Very different. Um, and yeah, everything was pretty much starting to look great. And after, after Take That concert, he decided to have a another tour, right? Another album. And that was like, they did not talk about this. This is where it ended. It basically ended with like a couple of shots from his concerts after this point. And then his kids and like the family and all that. And that's, that's it. So I feel, I'm not sure I understand why they skipped like all like 10 years <laughs> right because the progress tour if i'm not mistaken was like 2011 then he had the tour take the crown was it take take the crown then he had the swing tour again when he rejoined together with guy chambers which is not mentioned in this documentary at all right which i found stunning and then he had another tour and then some of the shows here and there so basically 10 years are skipped and we just jump back to the present moment without mentioning he rejoined Guy Chambers so it got me a little confused Um, I guess they just wanted to show drama because basically after the point when he got married and like he was basically like happily ever after so probably the most interesting parts of his life which i agree um is where he was when he was struggling so maybe this like happy happy end comeback whatever was not interesting for netflix um or they didn't want to create part five so you know two things (laughs) um and overall very good watch and i want to say that i'm slightly confused on whether this is a habit or something else is involved but obviously he claims like he's drug free and alcohol free and everything but I don't know how many times he did this like like is this a (laughs) you know all the time all the time Um, maybe it's just a habit I don't know Um, yeah let me know in the comments what do you think If I get a lot of comments, I don't know, let's say 50 or 100, comment below, which one would you want? This? Can I refocus here? Yep. Okay, this is original, 100%. Um, Or this? This is good for Christmas, actually. So comment below which one you want and how did you like the documentary? And I'm going to choose one. Um, but I need not three comments, like more, okay? So we're gonna see how we're gonna do this. Um, and yeah, thank you for watching. Let me know your thoughts. And I have to say, I'm very happy with this. Maybe not the ending, skipping 10 years, okay. But yeah, everything else, very, very interesting. Um, interesting watch.